Mikulski here. Welcome to uh, Man to Man uh, audio podcast today. Uh, as you know, we have these podcasts, whether it be a video or audio, but the whole reason we do them is to just kind of illustrate what two men should be doing in their life when they're having questions about what they think, believe, uh, what's going on in their life. Man, to, to have constant communication with another man that's by your side is something that's truly needed today. And so I'm very, very honored and very, very blessed to actually be up in McGregor, Minnesota right now. Uh, I'm with a friend of mine, Eric Swenson, who I'm telling you right now, it's like, I'm, I'm actually giddy. I'm really kind of giddy right now that I get to talk to him here and he's leading this one up here and uh, he asked me to come up and help. And of course, I'm, I'm jumping in the car and coming out uh, because he's an incredible man of God. Um, and so we're just going to kind of get into a conversation here. You're going to learn a little bit about him and and uh you know we'll see where god takes us but uh ready to go there absolutely thanks for the kind words no pressure uh, whatsoever but and uh for the record i feel the same about you love you buddy and um and your leadership and glad we're doing this together so yeah amen yep amen so all right well first off eric why don't you just kind of give maybe a little you know a little description of where you were yeah uh you know a little bit about your past and you know how long you know up to this point maybe. yeah yep uh so the the condensed version um so was was born in the church christian my whole life don't remember don't have a moment uh specifically there's some key specific moments later but i don't have a moment of of where i remember not being christian or raised in the church so i'm thankful for uh you know to my family for that but um i did you don't know what you don't know and and so it, it there was there was uh a knowledge that I had, but I didn't know, I knew about God, I didn't know God, or didn't even know that I could know him. And, you know, he was coming after me like he does for all of us. I had a really amazing youth pastor who I'm still friends with, and I can look back and see how God was starting to break some things loose there. But it, it was when I met my wife, uh, future wife, when I was 18, and she was the first example of a person. Um, she was fierce and beautiful, but she, um, she loved God and, like, talked about God in a way like it was a person she knew, which was which I didn't understand because right. I didn't have a radar for it. And so I start seeing this thing in her and start going to church with her. And uh, so we were working together at a camp and when we met. And one weekend as a staff, we went to this outdoor Christian music festival. And there was a guy, uh, turned out to be a prison chaplain, was preaching down by the lake. And he gets done with his... With his uh, fiery sermon and he's like anyone wants to follow me into the water we're going to baptize Come people. On. and uh so before i knew it like i was standing in the water waiting to to be baptized um and and so that was the, really the first time i can remember uh where there was a step taken that uh, on my you know i'd been exposed to this my whole life and i'm thankful for that but that was the first step where i was actually making a, a decision that i wanted a part of this whole thing and uh and it's it was through my wife so, so that's good and beautiful, and then we get married, and um, like until you get married, or, or any intimate relationship where you start to get closer to a person in your life and your decisions really start to affect them, you begin to see things about yourself that you didn't know were there. And so before getting married, I would have just, the way I assessed myself was I thought I was a pretty good guy, and I actually, like in full disclosure, would thought of myself as pretty humble which is really ironic because like the guy that thinks he's humble is probably the most prideful guy in the room <laughs> but that's just that's what i thought and you get married um and 
started to hurt this other person because there's selfishness and things there that I just didn't know were there because until they get tested, they don't really get exposed. Right. And she was really gracious, but but I was causing a lot of pain and hurt and just these things surfacing. And, and obviously you have two imperfect people, but um, coming together. So anyway, uh, a, lot, a lot of things I, things I could talk about there that uh, I'd rather not on the podcast. <laughs> uh, but somewhere along the line, after we had our first son, uh, Heather discovered Wild at Heart and I don't remember how she found the book, but she bought a copy and actually offered to read it with me. And it was like, she knew I needed help and we needed to figure something out, but it wasn't like, here, read this and go fix yourself. It was like, hey, I think this would be helpful. Let, can wow. we do this together? Wow. So like looking, I didn't realize at the time how I think maybe rare um, and what a gift that was. And so, you know, one of the things to back up, um, uh, one of the things that was causing some of the pain and hurt was I was incredibly driven and also really concerned about the, the opinions and the feedback of people right. and getting my validation from what I could produce, which I think is true probably of a lot of us. Right. And so I'll, I'll get to that more later when we talk about hopefully some of the things that are transforming, but that's what I lived out of is my worth comes from what I can produce. And so that resulted in trying to please everybody and often forgetting my wife. So then I find Wall the Heart, and like a lot of guys, it just knocked everything loose, and I discovered this, that I have a father, and that I'm his son, and all these beautiful things, and that we also have a part in his story. Um, but then I just kind of took the same brokenness, and just Bart calls it sanctified posing. Yeah. I think you just mentioned that this morning, where, okay, now that piece of performing and earning just switched over to that, and so it was kind of like charge the field, go after men, and again, not realizing I was still leaving this collateral damage with kind of missing my wife and my kids. And, um, and so, um, let's see, where was I going with that? Um, okay. So that was one thing that happened when I first discovered wild at heart. So it's a key, it was a key turning point, but it, but there was still a lot of immaturity there with how I was interpreting some of that. Right. Right. And then the other piece that happened early on was, uh, which I also think is maybe fairly common is I, I realized I was starting to kind of idolize the, the, the um, guys at Wild at Heart, that, that ministry. And the ironic thing is, none of the guys that, that do this, that, that work there, that are part of that mission, would, would want that. Exactly. It's, not, it's not their hearts. It's not who they are. But it's you discover something so beautiful and powerful, and it's hard not to attach it to, to that person. Right. And so I'd go to these retreats. So after Heather and I read the book, she found out, found out about the retreat. And a year later, I was out in Colorado. I've been going back ever since, and um, I start being a weenie again. My wife will love me, be like, I think, is it time to go back out to Colorado? But uh, Good wife. Yeah, but I realized, like, um, I would get out there, and, and I would experience God, and then Saturday would come Sunday, and I'm like, I would have this kind of, this kind of looming dread because I was like, I don't want to, what I'm finding here, I don't want to lose it when I go back. And I can remember... Few years into this, I was at um, um, Bear Trap Ranch, I think it was called, at one of the retreats. I was sitting on a rock. I can picture where I was sitting and having that conversation with God and just feeling like, you know, as soon as I leave here, I'm going to lose this. And God very clearly said, I, I was with you before you got here, and I'm, and when you leave, I'm going with you. And it was, I, I, it was the first time I actually realized that what I was experiencing from this ministry and from these guys was um, they're just the filter through which 
God was coming right. for me. There, we often refer to them as the guys that found the treasure in the field, yeah. and they're just sharing it with people. So it's they're amazing guys, but it's not about them right. um, or what they're doing. It's God through them. And so coming to that piece of, yeah, he's, this has always been available. I just didn't know it. And so I, it goes with me, and I can also then yeah. offer it. So yeah. maybe I'll pause there if yeah. you have other questions. Well, I love, uh, you know, John and them guys always say that they, they say this, this isn't a shtick. Yes. You know, yes, this is how we live. Yep. This is yes, we're, all we're doing is sharing how we live. Right. You know, and I yep. love that about them. And you're right, they're an incredible, humble. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, every. I mean, I don't know if anybody really knows this, but I mean, uh, the stuff that that we have, the videos and stuff like that, they give that away right. because they right. believe in this ministry so much. Yes. You know, and so you said something um, where it says, you know, there was a, a, a ripping apart. Mm-hmm. Okay, what is what does that mean for, for for guys that are listening to this when you say oh, I got here I and I was being ripped apart? Um, I think I just mean, uh, basically like my understanding of how, how I was to live and my interaction with God and who God was, was, was just completely turned on its head. And the reality that, so one of my, one of my big, I already mentioned that one of my big struggles has been trying to, to work, uh, to earn my value through what I can produce. But the tricky part, or the ironic thing, is like we are made to work. He actually created us to do good work, and it's a beautiful part of what we're supposed to do as as people, but especially as men. And so the main thing I think that got flipped upside down was recognizing the love and the validation are already there. Those are a given because I'm a son and because you're a son. And and it, it was hard. It, it, it's a when you live your whole life thinking you have to earn and, and almost kind of wanting to earn, because there's also a piece of, well, if I, if, if I get, if it's all up to me and I do good, well, then I get the credit for exactly. it. That feels pretty good. Right. So letting go of that and realizing, no, the, the love is unconditional um, simply because I'm his son. He, when God first spoke that to me, I was holding, uh, we have five kids. I was holding my second youngest. I think he was maybe only a couple months old. And this, I was sitting there looking at him and this thought came to me, he can't do anything which is kind of obvious, you know, baby can't sit up, they can't eat, they can't use the toilet. Uh, but the thought came at the same time as I'm experiencing how much I love this little guy and he can't do anything. And I'm an imperfect father. And so if I have this unconditional love for this, this little kid who literally contributes nothing yet productive to the world, besides diapers and, besides diapers and, and breathing, and um, then how much more, our father loving us. And so I'm still much in the process of actually, I can know that, but really believing it. But, but the big transition is, okay, if that's true, then from that place of already knowing who I am and that I, that I have his love. Now from there, I can, I can work and do the good work he's given me to do. And, and now the work can become that that we're doing this for others um, as opposed to what we can get from it. And, in in theory, I understand that. In practice, I'm very much more in the middle of actually believing right. it and not sliding back into. So I don't know if that answered your question, yeah, but I think no. that's that's probably like the biggest no, shift I can. It yeah. totally did. I mean, so often men, especially, they try to find their identity with what's in the world. Yeah, they try to get their identity from the world, and God's designed us in a way to have an identity to bring yes. to the world. Exactly. You know what yeah. I mean? And that's what that that shredding apart is. It's, mm-hmm. Because uh, I've talked to multiple different guys, and they're, they're, that's why I asked that question, because they say, well, you say, you know, it wrecked you. is one yeah. of the, where, where yes. And what's so great about the wrecking yeah. is 
when it happens, it starts to reveal who I am. Mm -hmm. So it isn't like anymore what I've got to become. Yes. He takes out what I've tried to become and he sets yes. that off to the side yeah. and starts to reveal who he designed Mike Pikowski to be. Yeah. It's a stripping away. Yes. It's not an adding on top. Right. Yeah. And so it's a wrecking. But when you yeah. walk out of here, you know who you yes. are. Yes. And the process can be painful. Part of why oh, yeah. we use words like wrecking, ripping apart yeah. is because it's not necessarily fun in the, in the moment, but it's the fruit of it. And, and then once you understand why God is doing it and that he's doing it because he loves us, yeah. uh, then it, we're more willing to step into more of it because the reality is, is there's so much unfinished. Yeah. And so the wrecking is an ongoing process. Yeah. It's not a one-time deal. But even if it's not always pleasant in the moment, it is, the fruit of it is, it is uh, you know. Is the fruit of the Spirit. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> right. Right, right. I, I, and that's, that's what I love about it. And you see it happens so often here at these events. And, and I, I love that scripture that says that our life is hidden in Christ. Mm -hmm. And just the thought of that. Yes. The closer I get to Christ, the more mm -hmm. my life is revealed to me. Yes. And who God created me to be. Yeah. And that's what this, like you say, now I've been a part of these now. I don't know how many I've done now, but over the last two years. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, just at the last one in January, well, yeah. just today, yeah. I wrote down six things that, yeah. I, that yeah. I discovered new again. Yes. And it's like, it's yes. like, we're, it's a, it's a, it's a work in progress. Yeah. It's a journey. Yeah. Um, and so, so I got uh, another question. Um, so yeah. what do you think, or, or what do you think is maybe one or two of the biggest struggles that you feel men have today? Hmm. Whether saved, unsaved, whatever, but just being a man, what are two of the one or two? Whatever yeah. you think that you know yeah, the biggest struggles are. Um, so, one I guess I've already been. I mean, the first one that comes to mind, just because it's so much my reality. Whoa. Is that piece of? Um, the working for performance yeah. and, um, and, and maybe you could take that, you could take that broader to, I think that there's a lot that we know. Um, and, and unfortunately, like I, I actually love the church and I, I'm very careful to not speak uh, negatively to the church either specifically or as a whole, but often I think what is offered at least in my own experience is a lot of knowledge, uh, either about what's right or wrong or what's yeah. true. Um, or what we should believe or how we should act. But knowledge knowledge is great and beautiful, but it doesn't it doesn't change anyone. That's good. And so I think maybe one of the biggest struggles, and I, I've been applying it to this idea of identity and work, but more broadly is is knowing something to be true, but then actually believing it. And I don't mean believe like, you know, just this kind of fluffy, um, unattainable thing. I'm but like believe where I think Willard said that our, our actions reveal our beliefs 100% of the time. Right. So, like, when I start to actually experience and know something is true, it'll change. That's what actually can change who I am and what I do. And so you can know a whole lot and um, still be the same. You can keep learning more and still be the same person. Right. And unfortunately, I think our world rewards, our world is, is obsessed about knowledge. Yeah. And our world rewards people who are very knowledgeable. So you can be gifted and have all this information and and share that, but that's different than than speaking from actual experience right. of what you know to be true or what you've what you've lived. 
And so I don't, I, I'm, I'm identifying that as a problem. I don't necessarily know the answer other than it's not, you said this before, it's not like this thing we have to do or try to add on. I, th I think the more we let go of what we think we know, it's almost the more we can admit that we don't really know anything, huh. the more God can then pour in. It's, a, it's an emptying. Yeah. I mean, that's what humility is. Yeah. So, so because the more God pours in, and it's always available, it's a question of whether or not we want to let it in. Yeah. That's what causes us to actually start to know deeply what is true, yeah. that we can then live from that. Yeah. Um, oh, that's good, man. So That's so good. Yeah. Uh, it just, uh, the reality that, and that's hard for us yeah. as guys. Yeah. Yeah, because by design, yeah. God wants us to be able to make decisions, and He wants yes. us to lead, and He wants—I mean, that's by design. Yeah. So just, but He wants to do it in a godly manner. He yeah. wants to do it that's after Him and through Him and from Him. Yes. So it's just hard. Yeah. He wants us to do it with Him. That's that's a good point. It's not—it's not a passivity. It's not that we're not supposed to do anything, like we said before. But the design from the beginning was that we would do it with Him. And John actually brought this up in the session today that, you know, the part of the thing in the fall was. What what um what appealed to Adam and Eve and what the what the enemy put before them was this ability to you know the tree was to the knowledge of good and evil, but it was uh, I heard someone it might have been Tim Mackey from the Bible Project talking about how knowing right from wrong or good or good and evil I mean this was his opinion is not necessarily a bad thing that's actually wisdom and I think it was I think there's actually very similar language later on in the Old Testament speaking of Solomon when he was praying for wisdom he was. The language that he used is similar to Genesis 3, or wherever in Genesis it talks about the tree, that he wanted God to reveal to him um, good and evil, right from mm -hmm. wrong. But the difference was they were trying to reach out and obtain it for themselves, mm -hmm. as opposed to receiving it from God. Right. Like, every dad wants to teach his kids, hey, this is, this is how you should live, follow me, we're going to do it this right. way. It, so it wasn't so much that it's not good to grow in knowing what's right and wrong, because right. that's maturity but we're supposed to do it with our father and be learning from him. And what we want to do is, is just take it for ourselves. So preach it, man. Come yeah. on. That's good. <laughs> so. That's good. I, uh, you know, it's, uh, what I was just thinking was, uh, no, I forgot what I was thinking. <laughs> uh, we got like bunk beds and stuff yeah, breaking right. next to us too. Yeah, so people we got... <laughs> jumping around in the, in the room next That's to us. We were laughing. Um, uh, what was I going to say? Well, it must not have been important. But um, yeah, uh, I totally agree, and I love that. I love that perspective. Mm. Um, there's a great perspective when Jesus was led into the into the desert too, by, by you know, by the by the Holy Spirit. That word "led" literally means to be carried. Yeah. Right. And yes. then he wasn't brought in there. Jesus wasn't brought in there to test to see if Jesus would could withstand Satan's tempting. For himself. Yeah. He went in there to prove that yes. Satan had no power over. Yes. Yep. That's totally two different. That's amazing. Yeah. You know. Well, and if you heard Willard's perspective before on the the condition Jesus would have been in at the end of the forty days of fasting, have you heard him talk about that? Where I, I haven't for a while. Well, so we, I always thought of it, and I think probably a lot of people do that he must have been incredibly weak, and and not to say that he wasn't hungry, but and then the first temptation is, hey, you know, turn the stones into bread. But but Willard's perspective was that, uh, and what the enemy didn't see was. Jesus was probably at his strongest at the end of that 40 days because he was filled only with the Holy Spirit. Oh, boy. Like, because like, um, Jesus talked later, I think, in John to his disciples about, I have a food you guys don't know about. Yeah. And he even told the enemy, I live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So the enemy thought 
and maybe it was even a trap. I mean, maybe it was even to bait him in. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm, I'm adding that piece, but like we think, uh, 40 days of fasting, you're famished, eat the bread. And he, the, the purpose of the fasting was to strengthen, to, spiritual to take the enemy out, yeah. like you said. So he was probably at his strongest, not at his, his well, that's kind of crazy. Cause yeah. when you read that scripture, it says the Holy Spirit led him into the desert, and yep. then he said he left full. Yes, of the exactly. Holy Spirit. Exactly. Yep. So that just yeah. plays out for. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, another another question. Um, yeah. So the one thing I love about Eric is like when he does something, he's all in. Mm. I mean, he's a writer. Uh, he does. You do multiple different things. I don't even know them all, <laughs> but he's, he's incredibly talented in just so many different mm-hmm. areas. But why these basics? Why Wild at Heart, man? What, why are you sold out? I mean, you yeah. are, you are, you're just one of those guys that I love to be around because like-hearted men, we're yeah. going to be able to actually lead the movement that's going to change the world because men yeah. are going to start taking their position back where they're supposed to be. But, you know, what, why, why basics? Why becoming a king? Why yeah. musters? Why? Yeah. Um... Well, like I said, the, I, I did hit a turning point where I realized um, the, a, I, 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 God helped me to see um, that, like I said before, the, the goodness I was finding wasn't in a, in a person or in a retreat. It was, it was uh, God moving through that. And, and so the thing about these retreats that, that John and those guys, John and Morgan and Bart and those guys um, figured out is if we can, if we can just say yes and create an environment for God to show up, uh, God will do that. And I've been a recipient of it. I've been on the receiving end of it so long from someone else making the choice to do that. And it, it occurred to me at some point uh, that maybe there was a piece of, not, not a guilt or an obligation, but like, hey, you can have a piece in this as well. And the thing about these guys is they're very open-handed. Like this is designed to put in the hands of other men and we all get a part in it. But there was a reluctance for a while where I kind of ignored that. And part of it was probably fear. And part of it might've been because I had come out of the gate so hard and, and forgot about my wife's heart and kind of caused damage with that. I think I was maybe a little reluctant, like, am I really ready? Am I actually humble and not just think I'm humble? Am I really ready to step out and start offering? Cause I've, I've not done this well in the past, but like God redeems everything and it's, it's good to have some wisdom and, and discernment as we step into things, but we also can't just hide and, and sit right. out forever because we're afraid we might not do it exactly right. right. Because again, it's not up to us anyway. Right. It's amazing what God will do with the yes. And again, and the less qualified we think we are probably the more qualified we are because yeah. that's what he can use. And, um, God, if I can take a minute, there's, did I tell you the picture of the dam busters? Have I told you that before? I am not sure. Okay. So, and if there's any World War II history buffs, if, if any of these facts are incorrect, I apologize right now. I'm basing this off of a report that one of my sons did, and I think he did pretty good research. But uh, one of my, two of my sons are really interested in World War II, and there was these, um, somewhere in the course of the war, I think it was a, I think the, the physicist was from, Great Britain, but I'm not 100% sure. Anyway, this, this uh, guy had an idea, and the, I don't know how much of this part of it is, is kind of, you know, legend that formed afterwards, but 
he claimed that while he was next to the pond with uh, with his kids, he was uh, skipping stones, and he had this idea: could he design an explosive that could actually skip across the water uh, like a stone? And so he, I don't know that it was the explosive itself, or just or just a um, capsule, basically to deliver the explosive. But he designed um, this technology that it could be dropped out of a plane and actually skip across the surface of the water before mm. it would go under. And but the requirement was you had to have pilots that could fly at incredibly high speeds, very low to the water, in enemy territory. Because uh, one of the things that was true in Germany is there were several towns built up around these rivers with large dams and hydroelectric power, and these uh, dams were powering the factories that were producing a lot of the um, equipment for the war effort, for Hitler's right. war effort. And so they had the idea that if they could get these pilots in behind enemy, enemy lines and deliver these explosives, they could take out the dams, um, flood the factories, yeah. and kind of cripple them from the inside. And uh, it was incredibly dangerous, and, but I think they were at least partially successful in taking some of these out. And I, I, I was trying to think about, like, what these retreats have been for me and what our role can be in them. And, and God often speaks to me through pictures. And what I felt like he said is, is John and Morgan, these guys in my life, and there's others, Dallas Willard, C.S. Lewis, they've been the dam busters. So what, what happens is like all throughout scripture, there's a picture of, of the life of God that comes to us. And it's often pictured as a river coming from Eden, coming out of the temple. Right. And, and so God is the source of what we've all, um, received and found through this stuff and but then in the work of the enemy in the world he, like he can't stop the river he can't drive the river he can't do anything to this river but he will try to to block it or divert it um from reaching us and and so what these guys have done uh in my life and the life of a lot of men is they've gone before and they've poked some holes in the dam to let some of this life come through mm -hmm. through them but then what, what also happens, I think, when a dam breaks and this water's pent up is not only does, it, does the river continue, but it, it overflows and spreads right. out beyond that. And right. so all of a sudden you have all these streams and these tributaries, and they're all moving in a similar direction. They're moving from the same source, but they're spreading out. Yeah. And I feel like the way God's working, and it has always worked, but I think the way he's really working now in the world is um, each of us as individual men can be dam busters for others. And, and then, like, there's a piece we each get in this where we, where we're carrying the same thing forward and we're all on the same mission, but it's got unique expressions, right? And it's all from the same source. And so, I don't know if that answers your question now, but that's how I've started thinking about the piece that we can have in in offering these retreats or whatever else we offer is we've received from those who went before us, and it's not them; it's what they, right. you know, uh, bravely risked in order to make it available to us. And now, now we have the honor of doing the same thing. And I don't want to sit out and not be a part of that. So, no. yeah. No, I, you know, uh, one of my mentors, Greg Brigon says, uh, Borgon says, you know, he goes, I want to, I want to utter, I want to, how do you say, I want to step into heaven utterly exhausted <laughs> by, the, by the way that I live yes. in this world. Awesome. Something like that. He yeah. says, you know, in other words, he gave it everything he's got. And yeah. And that's one of the things that, like, say, you inspire me. Your commitment to this, your your, your consistency, uh, incredibly organized, way more organized than I am, man. When I saw <laughs> I, all the totes you have, and stuff. any any organization that you think you see comes from my wife, okay. and and uh, yeah. Well, yeah, on my own, I'm, I'm a big you. mess. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yep. but I mean, dude, if they if uh, 
uh, I mean, you know, we'll kind of close it up here, but yeah. I mean, is there any thoughts you want to share or, or anything that you want to just like say, tell who's ever listening, you know, sure. anything you want to bring inspirational or I think I mean, right now, I really think it's been inspiring since we've been here. Awesome. Thanks, love, buddy. So. Yeah. I hope I'm not throwing too much out, but, uh, Throw it. one, one last thought, um, cause one of the things you mentioned before, uh, we started talking was like hopes for the future or where, you know, where things could be in the future. And one, one thing that, again, part of the maturing process that God's really uh, helped me to see, especially recently, is um, like I feel a strong calling and importance around ministry with other men and two men. And I think there's, there's something really key and foundational about that because when you, when you start to get your heart back and can help other guys get their heart back, the, the, res- the fruit of that can become exponential. Right. Um, but having said that, um, and again, I'm speaking out of a long history of taking stuff and running with it and kind of forgetting about this really important, beautiful person that God's put in my life, uh, who is my wife. And as, I, as I'm sharing this, this is not to either diminish or exclude guys that are single, right. um, incredible calling right. and part of that. But if you are married, one of the things God is really showing me is that like, the mission that he gives each of us as men is, is, a, is a co-mission. Um, and, and to, I'm excited about the ways I see it already starting to take shape, but that whatever God's called me to do, if my wife's not an integral part of that, then I think I've, I've missed something. And, um, and, and for so much of our time, I, I did, you know, just not see her. And so, um, it's, it's just a new frontier for me, but I'm, I'm asking God and very open to wanting whatever he has me to do in the future is something that we're doing together. Um, even if part of the expression of it is specifically to men, which, which would come through me. And, um, so real quick, uh, I first heard about this through John and then I've mentioned the Bible project already, but there's a lot of really good stuff from those guys. And there's this concept in Genesis where when, when God uh, says for Adam that it's not good for Adam to be alone. And almost every English translation says that God, uh, decided he needed a, or gave him a helper or helpmate or uses this word and not to diminish the English translations but to to um, this is one where if you if you get to the actual Hebrew uh, to really do honor to that word and, and the role that God had for Eve um, the word is Azer uh, and I think the full thing is Azer Konegdo I don't know if I'm pronouncing that mm-hmm. correctly mm-hmm. have you are you familiar with that yeah, I'm yeah. okay so uh, the actual translation a better translation would be sustainer beside him and every other place in the Old Testament that the word azer is used, it's used of God. And it's often in a, in a military context, mm-hmm. in a deliverance, a battle. And so there's this incredibly, um, like obviously there's a, um, obviously our roles are unique and different in the way we bear God's image. But there is a fierceness and a, and a sustaining aspect to, like when God said it's not good for Adam to be alone, um, it's very clear that this was a partnership he was creating. So. All I'm trying to say with all that is my, I, I personally feel a very strong calling to men, and, and I think it's vitally important, but I'm also very curious about and inviting God into what does that also look like with my wife, integral part of that, and not just this is a thing I go and do, and thanks for supporting me. Um, so very young in that, so I don't know exactly what all that looks like yet, but I know that I want that to be part of whatever the future holds. So That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we can do a whole nother podcast yeah. on that. Though. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, all right, sweet man. Well, uh, if if somebody wanted to get a hold of you, if somebody wanted yeah. to maybe just contact you, maybe there's a listener out there like you know, I'd like to hear a little bit more of your stories. Is there yeah. a way that they can do that? Or 
Yeah, probably the easy, easiest way. I do have a website. It's uh, formedforgood.com. So just three words, formed for good, all together, uh, .com. It's based on Ephesians 2.10. We've talked about it a few times that uh, we were created in Christ to do good works that he prepared in advance to be our way of life. My favorite translation. So, yeah, I have a podcast I just kind of started on there. It's in, it's in its infancy. I record it in the cab of my truck on an iPad because it's the only place I can find quiet from five kids who I love. Hey, perfect, man. And, and a dog who barks at everything that yeah, walks by. Yeah, so. three of them. Yeah. So, yeah, that's probably the place to start. Okay. But Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Um, so we're going to go. We're going to get we're going to get closing up here. Um, we are just be if you're out there. I don't know when this is going to be when this is going to be going out. Uh, maybe by maybe this uh, coming Tuesday or, or the next. Uh, but you know, uh, we're in the middle of right now doing a basic. We have 61 guys up here right now that are going through it. And and so if you if you're interested in ever if you're interested in participating in a basic, you could go to man to man, which is my website. Um, you go man to man dot org number two dot org, or you can go to Wild at Heart. And just look for the nearest uh, uh, one nearest you. Uh, and then also in a, uh, April 13th through the 16th, we're going to be doing a Becoming a King. Um, in, uh, that'll be in uh, Trout Lake. Uh, so there's still some openings for that. So just once again, go to mantoman.org uh, and you can find the event page and, and go with that. But outside of that, man, thank you for joining me. Thank, thank you for you, letting me do yeah. this with you. I appreciate awesome. it. And everything's going to yeah, feel good. Love right? you, man. Love you, bro. Awesome.